Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Peacock is streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals, and every live WWE pay-per-view. It's The Office, Chrisley Knows Best, and Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. This is Roxanne Gay, the host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Each week, I talk to an interesting person about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. We can't escape politics. Listen to the Luminary Original Podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're switching things up this week, featuring some of our favorite conversations we've had this year on BuzzFeed Daily. Today, we're all about music. First up is an awesome conversation about the nonstop controversy around Lil Nas X. And then we're flashing back to a great discussion we had about country music and the space available to musicians of color within that world. It's June 1st, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shiloh Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. So back in March, Lil Nas X dropped a new video and single, Montero, Call Me By Your Name. It's a song about discovery and self-acceptance. And in case you somehow still haven't seen the video, it features the rapper sliding down a stripper pole into hell. Yes, it was controversial. And yes, we absolutely loved talking about it with BuzzFeed culture reporter, Michael Blackman. Hi, Michael. Hello. How are y'all? Good. So we just have to ask, what was your take on the video when you first saw it? So my take on the video, when I first saw Lil Nas X, I was just like, I'm so into this. Like, it's very sexy. It's obviously going to get a lot of people talking. But I think overall, I just really liked that it was so, like, daring. Um, I feel like it's been so long since I've been uh, captivated by a music video. I say so long. Last time was probably, like, <laughs> Lady Gaga, Ariana's <laughs> rain on me, honestly. <laughs> but this was just like a huge moment for like this black gay rapper who is trying to really make a name for himself. And it just reminded me of like older celebrities who would like dip into like these scandalous moments, like say like a Madonna, someone not comparing him to her exactly, but just like someone who like riles, gets people's feathers in a ruffle essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as as a fellow queer person, I mean, watching, I was smiling the whole time. I was like, oh, my God, I love every second of this. But we know that not everyone had those same feelings. And, you know, I'm sure this was difficult. Um, you know, you wrote that when you were young, your mom reinforced the idea that being gay meant a one way ticket to hell. What does it mean to you to see Nas take that narrative and flip it on its head? I mean, Oh my gosh, there's so many feelings that come up uh, just like thinking about that. For one, 
I'm just like amazed that someone so young as him was able to like get over such a huge hurdle for like a lot of people when it comes to like sticking to what your true self is and like being comfortable in that and walking in that and then also trying to figure out well how do I balance this with like this oppressive sort of force within my life that everyone else is saying like it's so important because the black church is a thing um even with my family specifically it wasn't like we were the most religious people in the world but it was one of those things where it's like you know that God is real and that if you upset him, then it's going to mean like just devastation for your life. Even though like as a child, like I go back and like, I'm thinking a bit more critically being old an adult. And I'm like, wait, but these are my family members that we're doing like X, Y, and Z, but God is not upset with them. But because I am attracted to men and this omnipresent, omniscient being literally created all of this and then like put me in this predicament and yet I have to like feel weird and all these conflicted feelings it just like never made any sense to me so seeing someone like Lil Nas X like just sort of like smash all of that open was just thrilling and like refreshing Mm -hmm. 100% I just can't even imagine how many people this affected in such a positive eye-opening way who have felt oppressed in that way thinking that they would go to hell for who they're attracted to Exactly. And it's like now, um, you know, it's like one of those things, like, let's say 10 years ago, so I'm like 32 now, so 22, like I would have watched something like that and been like, oh my goodness. Like, I feel like I probably would have felt like heart palpitations. I probably <laughs> would have just like taken so many people's like words to heart if people were like, oh, he's like going to hell. Cause like, it took me a while. Like, I mean, even now, I mean, not saying I'm uncomfortable, like now I'm fully like comfortable with who I am, but just like 10 years ago, I probably would have, it would have been a scary thing to even like talk about or think about because it's just like, that is the ultimate sort of form of blasphemy. But like now it's like, (laughs) no, (laughs) no. You know, and we're not even close to done. We will be right back to talk more about Little Nas X and the impact he's had on black queer kids. Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. What's up, what's up? This is Robin Dixon, co-host of Reasonably Shady, which has just been nominated for an NAACP Image Award in the Outstanding Arts and Entertainment Podcast category. This is so big for Giselle and I. And of course, we must thank all of our fantastic listeners. But we need your help. Visit vote.naacpimageawards.net to vote for Reasonably Shady. That's vote.naacpimageawards.net. But don't wait. Voting closes on February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to listen to Reasonably Shady every single Monday on the Black Effect Podcast Network. 
Hi, I'm Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. And we're the hosts of the science podcast, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, where every week we get to explore some of the weirdest questions in the universe. Like, if sci-fi teleportation was possible, how would it square with the multitudes of organisms that inhabit our human bodies? Can we find evidence of emotions in animals like bees, ants, and crayfish? How would an interplanetary civilization function? Does free will exist? Stuff to Blow Your Mind examines neurological quandaries, cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and the wonders of techno history. Basically, this show is the altar where we worship the weirdness of reality. If anybody ever told you you ask the weirdest questions, it is time to come join us in the place where you belong, the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast. New episodes publish every Tuesday and Thursday with bonus episodes on Saturdays. Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Michael Blackman about Little Nas X's music video for his new single, Montero. You write, Little Nas X's approach signals confronting one's fears head-on while crafting a new narrative, one that rejects the good versus evil dichotomy in favor of a story that works for you. In the end, he slays the devil, making it very clear that the point is to live your life on your own terms. How do you think Nas has handled everything that's been said about this particular video? I mean, we know that he's received a lot of backlash from the right and from parents who are mad that he made this video after Old Town Road. So the first thing that comes to mind, I think that he's been handling it really, really well. Like, he did issue a tweet like later where he was just like, all of this pressure is like getting to me. Understandably so, because like I do think that like think about like Christianity, you think about like religion, like this is these are just like topics that are like so dicey and touchy. And it's like he was obviously going for like some sort of he was trying to make some sort of statement. So the outrage I don't think is necessarily like justified because I don't think that people have actually like engaged with like what he's done, like in a critical sort of way, at least like people who are on the right, in my opinion. Um, But I do think that him not like backing down has been like huge because I feel like if he did back down, then that was sort of like dilute the whole message of the video in general. (laughs) So I think that he's been handling it uh, super, super well. The video, I mean, the song is now the number one song in the country. So I think that all of the controversy sort of paid off because also Nike was coming after him because of like the, the bloody shoes that I can't remember exactly who they designed them with. Um, but it's like, come on now. I think that like with all of these forces coming at you for him to remain strong and like grounded is like a huge sort of thing for queer black kids to see. Do you think that he knew that there would be this kind of reaction? I mean, like you said, he was making a statement. So, I mean, I feel like he must have known something. Yeah, I would say so. Um, Just because Lil Nas X, like, he has a history of being, like, this sort of internet kid, specifically, like, a barb, which are, like, what the Nicki Minaj fans call themselves. Um, It's just, like, I think that people like that, like, they know how to stoke controversy and they know how to, like, get people talking because, like... I mean, we know that Nikki fans are, like, known for dragging people in, like, some of the craziest ways, like, sometimes bordering on, on, like, abuse. Um, But I definitely, there's no way he couldn't have known. You know what I mean? I mean, it's literally the devil. The the crusades happen. People have always thought about, like, religion. So there's no way he wasn't, like, aware that this was going to start something. And, you know, him being aware of that makes what he did even braver, you know? I mean, it's astounding that he did it. And and you touched on this, but what do you think this video means for young Black queer kids today? I mean, you had said, like, if you had seen this 10 years ago, like, my God, your heart palpitations. But what do you think these kinds of visuals are giving to these kids today? 
Well, I think that it's just giving kids just like a sense that like there's like not a specific box that you even have to fit into as a queer person. I think that with Lil Nas X, like one of the reasons it's so refreshing for me and I would assume for queer kids who are like way younger than me, I feel like we have all of these images of like queer eye people or just like there's like a specific type of queer look in popular culture or like a way that you have to approach it. Even when you think about the way people talk about like what's Hollywood gays or like this is what the Hell's Kitchen case to do and things like that. I feel like Lil Nas X is like breaking out of that whole thing a bit. And it's just like, oh, no, you can be like a weird black gay kid and that is perfectly fine, which I feel like. I can't point to that. I can't think of any other example of that, which doesn't mean that it's not out there. It's just like right now I'm having brain fart and freeze. <laughs> and I can't think of it. But it's like one of the biggest examples of that. And I think that that's, um, we all know at this point that like representation doesn't mean everything, but it still serves a purpose as far as like um, empowering people or like having people have like this symbol to look up to. Wow. Well, uh, you know, that's, You just hit the nail on the head. And I hope that we see more from him. Thank you so much for joining us. And this song is still delivering iconic pop culture moments. Little Nas X recently gave a fantastically raunchy performance of it on the season finale of SNL, which concluded with him accidentally splitting his pants open on live television. As we all do. And you know, yes, it was such an amazing performance. And I can't wait to keep seeing and hearing more from Little Nas X in the future. So moving on, back in the winter, we were talking about country music and how a couple of big news stories sparked hope we could see change coming to the notoriously white, notoriously straight genre. Casey and former BuzzFeed Daily host Zach Stafford broke this all down with BuzzFeed News culture writer Elamine Abdulmanud. So we're going off the beaten path a bit to talk about something Zach is very passionate about, and that's country music. <laughs> I love that this is being framed as I'm very passionate about it because my <laughs> passions are derived from the fact that I am from Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. I yes. grew up around a lot of country music. I can tell you lots of funny stories about country musicians that I will share for a time in which we're all drinking, but I am a black person too. And I grew up understanding that to be black is to not like country music and not understanding why people thought that because black people created country music and Everyone on the Black side of my family, being an interracial person, loved it so, so much. So I'm so excited to talk to uh, to talk about country music today for many reasons. <laughs> so, you know, unless you're a country music fan, massive fan, the biggest <laughs> fan around, like Zach, just kidding. This statement may sum up what you know about the genre. It's very white and very straight. <laughs> but in the past week, two stories have surfaced that show that that could be changing. You remember Morgan Wallen? He broke his COVID protocol before appearing on SNL. Well, now he's been caught using the N-word vociferously while drunk, which is both disgusting and unsurprising. But what has been surprising, Nashville's response. It's giving hope that the industry may at least be willing to do the bare minimum to diversify their talent pool and make way for more artists of color. Oh, and that other story is that T.J. Osborne of the Brothers Osborne has come out, making him the first openly gay artist signed to a major country record label. It's really so much to talk about, which is why we're so glad our guest today is Elamine Abdul-Mahmoud. He wrote the piece, If Morgan Wallen's Racism Won't Bring a Reckoning to Country, What Will? Hey, Elamine, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. So this is an interview where we're breaking down some of the stereotypes surrounding country music. And I want to start out by pointing out that you, Elamine, are not exactly a stereotypical country music fan, which I love saying to you because I am from Nashville and I hear that so much about other Black people. So talk to us about your own journey with country music. 
Right. Um, I've been, I'm, I think I'm a recent comer to country. Like I would say like my journey with country maybe started four or five years ago. Um, I am a big sort of classic rock person and I'd never heard the birds album, sweetheart of the rodeo, which is this album that incorporates a lot of country rock elements. So that was kind of my gateway. And then I was like, wait a minute, do I like country music? (laughs) For for the longest time before that, I was like, Oh, I listen to anything but country. Like I thought that made me like a worldly person or something. I would say that was people's first personality before we had that. That was like not like country music was a first personality for people. I'm I'm guilty of that personality, but also guilty of, eventually realizing like oh my god what an annoying personality what an annoying thing to build your personality around like country's great it's wonderful music you should listen to it all the time so when we do look at this broad stereotype of what country music is we tend to think white so very white yes. and conservative and broy and kind of racist. So yes. we maybe weren't so surprised when Morgan Wallen, a big star, was caught using a racial slur. What was your initial reaction to that? Uh, it was a combination of that checks out. And also <laughs> at the same time, like that Tyra, we were rooting for you gift. Yeah. You know? Like uh-huh. it was sort of like it was it was both both worlds. Morgan is is really good. Like his music is good. The first album that he put out was a lot of fun to listen to. It was really compelling sort of small town country music. Um, and then like he's been he's had a few run ins with bad PR in the last little while. Um, you, you guys might recall that story when he was on SNL. And yeah. so just before he was on SNL, like he was caught violating their COVID protocols. Um, and then like two months later, he was back on SNL um, because I don't know, like the country marketing machine is strong and does not like take no for an answer. And so like you could get the sense that like country music was not going to give up on someone like Morgan Wallen. They're just like never going to give up on someone with jeans that tight. It would just, it just never would happen. <laughs> um, and so, and so like, when that when this story broke, I was like, okay, you have the number one album in America for three weeks in a row. Like, bro, like you might be a little racist. Like, don't fuck up the bag this bad. How could you possibly fumble the bag this badly? Um, and so yeah, just disappointment, but not I don't think anyone was shocked. I don't think a lot of people were like, Yeah, this checks out. This feels like a Morgan Wallen thing to do. Okay, so like you said though, that the country music machine is strong. So what was the response from the music industry? Well, so the first time that he made that SNL mistake, like there was a lot of rallying around him to sort of like just get him back up to the place where he was going to be because like he was on this verge of this breakthrough. Um, And then the album came out and it was indeed like as big a moment as we thought it was going to be. Um, this time around, the response was swift kind of in the other direction. So, um, very quickly, his booking agent dropped him. Um, a bunch of radio stations said, we're going to take him off radio, which is like a really big deal in country. Like it's a big deal in general, but in, in country music specifically, like radio is so central, um, to someone's rise. Um, so that was a huge sort of indication that like, no, he fucked up really badly this time around. Um, he also like, he got pulled off the curated playlist on Spotify, playlist on Apple, the industry itself sort of moved quickly to distance themselves from him. That was, that was the industry response, but did that affect his streams? No. Did that affect his sales? No, they went up by (laughs) 1000%. And this is like actually 1200%. I don't know why I undersold it there. I went up by 1200%, which is a stunning number when you already begin to realize that like, this is a guy who was at the top of the charts and has been at the top of the charts for the last three weeks already. 
Yeah. It's wild. And I'm so glad you bring up the industry because I want to go there because in your piece, you talk a lot about how black country artists are treated by this industry, an industry I grew up in the shadow of in Nashville. Like it is a very powerful industry, as you've already talked about with the SNL stuff. So, you know, when people think about black country musicians, they always talk about Darius Rucker as the example, which is hilarious because Darius Rucker was already famous for <laughs> the Blowfish from the same type of white people that already loved him. So this is like not a good example. So anyway, let's talk about this. Why is it that he's the only example we have and how is this industry just really blocking black people from thriving in the industry well darius first of all i can't badmouth darius i love that man but also at the same time like every time that the industry has someone to point to they're like well look at darius we got one and it's like yeah you could have more though i think like it's a particular recurring embarrassment of country music that like they seem to make room for like one black artist at a time. It's sort of like how in the nineties they used to talk about like women in hip hop. They're like, you could have one, we could have one woman who's a rapper. As, and then, as a treat. Yeah. As a treat. Women can have one as a treat. And it's like black people can have one as a treat. And for the longest time it was Darius Rucker. Um, and so it's particularly frustrating right now because we're in this moment of like an incredible renaissance of black artists in country music. There are so many amazing artists who are doing great work um, and the industry is just not supporting them. And the biggest example of this is, is Mickey Guyton. Um, and Mickey Guyton has been signed to a major label for years and years. She has never put out a country album because for the longest time there was like this question of like, should we position her as a country artist? Should we position her as an R&B artist? And she's like, y'all, I'm a, I'm a country artist. I assume she said y'all. I say y'all. And so did <laughs> yeah, she. She said y'all. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure said y'all. Um, and so after she put out an, uh, a song during the Black Lives Matter uprising last year called Black Like Me, beautiful song, um, that song started charting. And it got nominated for a for a country Grammy, which is significant because now it's kind of like this kind of embarrassing moment for the industry where you have Mickey Guyton who has been nominated for a country Grammy without ever putting out a country album. <laughs> like they just like never supported her. And like now she's nominated for a Grammy in the category, still having not gotten the support that she deserves from that industry. She's finally now starting to get that push, but like it's not there. Okay, so on the other hand, there was another big, seemingly very positive moment in country music last week. TJ of the Brothers Osborne came out. He's the first openly gay artist signed to a major country label. What has the reaction to that been like? So far, it's really positive. So TJ has a lot of support and like... First of all, the Brothers Osborne are amazing and I love them so much. Incredible. And I was so happy to see that story and the support that TJ gets because like he is becoming the first is a huge deal, but also having your other artists rally around you is an even bigger deal. So like seeing people like Marin Morris, seeing people like Casey Musgraves tweeting that they're just like really excited about this moment tells you like country's changing, but it's changing slowly. And like, it continues to change slowly. And like, that's a frustration. I think there's like a misconception that country is like this very backwards looking institution with nobody in there being frustrated by this. But like the fact that we're even having these conversations is an indication that like, there are a lot of people pushing for change. They're just getting sort of stonewalled over and over again. Mm. Have you heard of any radio stations like pulling his music or anything? Because I know in the past radio stations have pulled songs with gay lyrics in it. I haven't seen that yet. Um, I th That's positive then. It is. But also like, it's not like the Brothers Osborne are like new, you know what I mean? Like they're like this massive best-selling artist. So like there is really the safety there. Country Queer is an amazing blog, but it's sort of been keeping track of uh, queer people in country and how they're treated. And like, 
what they do is document a like an evolution of how country views queer artists, but also like we're not at this like inflection point of being like, okay, now we're good at this. Um, so I would check them up because they're really good at sort of breaking it down. I'm so glad you said that. We're just, Eleni, you're really giving me life today because, you know, I keep mentioning that I grew up in Nashville. I grew up in the shadow of this industry. And what I know most about it is that, you know, what they say in public is very different than how they act in private. And TJ yes. Osborne has said in his interviews with Time Magazine that his friends and colleagues didn't know he was gay for many years. So people in the inside of country music did know this, just like they probably knew that Mr. Wallen was racist too. But what you're pointing to is that publicly they're repositioning themselves. But why is this public positioning maybe not the most authentic thing for country music? Because I just keep thinking about Lil Nas X, you know, just a few years ago did win but country did not really embrace the black gay boy he had to keep doing pop charts and r&b and everything else so what, what's going on here i mean they specifically said you know this is not country music you know and of course he pushed back against that but we're seeing i think is a changing of the guard in country but it's just sort of so slowly happening that it's kind of frustrating to watch for anyone i don't know younger than 52 like there's this element of Watching these things change, watching the conversation change, but also when you get to the, the highest levels of these institutions, they're not interested in the, the full out embrace of these artists. They're not really fully like it remains crazy to me that while you have artists like Raina Roberts, while you have artists like Britney Spencer, while you have artists like um, Yola, like Willie Jones, who are doing so well that they wouldn't just like, these These are all black artists who are doing amazing, uh, that you wouldn't have country, just from a financial and commercial perspective, shift to embrace them in a really big way because like there is money to be made there. Like Just like, if you're not going to do it because it's the right thing to do, do it because you can make money out of it, my God. But there is sort of like that unwillingness to go full tilt has been frustrating for people to watch, but there are these ways that we can see that it's changing. You know, like you can see like someone like Jimmy Allen uh, has gotten a lot of support for being a young black artist um, in the industry. And like, it's really great to see it, but it kind of fits within that model of you can have one, you can have one as a treat mm -hmm. because he, he's mm -hmm. kind of been the big one for the past couple of years. Kane Brown too. So we've talked about a lot of like change and what change we're seeing in the industry, but I want to like go back to older country music scandals. And, yes. you know, I, I think about what happened to the Dixie Chicks. Do you think we've come a long way since then? We haven't. We haven't. I mean, like the fact that we keep doing this, I mean, like this is sort of what the, 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 the thrust of the piece that I wrote for BuzzFeed was about is that like there are people who get second chances and there are people who don't. And the people who get second chances the most often in country tend to be the white men. Um, repeatedly, the Morgan Wallens of the world are going to get a second chance. And the chicks were blackballed for 10 years, right? Like for like a decade, there was kind of like sidelines and they, they weren't allowed to, you know, get that second chance. That is a long and frustrating history of this industry looking at people who say things that are uncomfortable to, I guess, white men and saying, no, like this doesn't belong in the discourse right now. So I'd like to say that it's changing, but it's not changing at a speed that's fast enough for us to detect. Like it's sort of going to take a generational change. And, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the stat, but it's pretty well known, I guess, in Nashville that country music is the only genre that still sells CDs. Like country music lovers buy CDs at high rates, which is more money for the industry itself. And the reason for that is because it's an older audience. So do you think that's also a factor here for these young black artists that maybe need digital sales or digital platforms to kind of grow? Is that kind of why the industry is being like, eh, girl, maybe not today. You're not moving CDs yet. 
Well, I mean, that's just it. Is that like when you have choices in terms of how, where to allocate your resources, you're investing them in the people who can move those CDs, right? Who can move physical copies at a Walmart as opposed to have massive digital sales. Having said that, you know, like someone like Morgan Wallen, he broke streaming records. I think he doubled Luke Combs' previous record. Like Luke Combs had done 102 million in the first week, and Morgan Wallen has done 240 million in his first week. So that's pretty incredible. And we should say that like streaming is a young, young sort of industry. Like records are being set all the time. And the reason it's being set all the time is because like more and more people are turning towards streaming. So what that's teaching is, is that like country has a lot of lessons to learn. One of them is if you invest more in the streaming efforts, you will get more out of those. And that includes promoting your black artists. Um, and you know, before we let you go, who are some black artists people should be listening to after today? Who, who you got for them? Oh my God. I would start with, uh, maybe Chapel Heart. I love Chapel Heart. Brittany Spencer is amazing. Yola is so great. Yola is a British woman who does sort of country soul. And it, you like listening to her, you could swear that it sounds like what would happen if Aretha Franklin just did like a country album. Like it's just Ooh. so, I know it's incredible. Um, I mentioned Willie Jones earlier and he's just kind of like, he's like a, like a really cheeky guy, like a lot of like really fun sort of, um, very standard country radio fun, but like he brings like this extra cheekiness to it that I really love. So I would, uh, I would start with those people, Jimmy Allen, of course, um, because he's just been so central for the past few years. So let's start there. Well, I'm excited for my Spotify to change drastically. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow when we'll have two more awesome convos to revisit. And remember, Lil Nas X will continue to be iconic. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. Calling all partners. Losing weight is better together with Nutrisystem's partner plan. In fact, people who diet together lose 20% more weight than dieting on their own. Get new premium meals with up to 30 grams of protein. They're big and filling and taste delicious. Plus, try our new restaurant faves that taste like your favorite restaurant portioned with half the calories. Don't wait. You could win big cash during Nutrisystem's Better Together Partner Plan 100K giveaway. And maybe win the grand prize of $25,000. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash in right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off your first month. You heard me right. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Don't wait. This partner plan offer will not last long. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin. See website for details on our two-month subscription offer. No purchase necessary. Open only to U.S. residents over 21. Void where prohibited. Runs December 25 through April 4th, 2022. For official rules, visit Nutrisystem.com. Sponsored by When's the last time you took a time out? I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're peeling back the layers around why society makes it so easy to guard men's time like it's diamonds and treat women's time like it's infinite, like sand. 
And so whether you're partnered with or without children or in a career where you want more boundaries, this is a place for you, for people of all family structures. So take this time out with us to learn, get inspired, and most importantly, reclaim your time. Listen to Time Out, a Fair Play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us your attention. We need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations. We be the illest podcast. Tune in every Thursday. Politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And, and break us off with some bread because we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.